Hey everyone, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up about this week's episode. There were some technical difficulties. One of the audio tracks for my guests just stopped after 23 minutes. I was able to edit around it, but if things feel a little bit cut together, let's say stitched together, I would say like a Frankenstein, but given the content of this episode, let's say like a Sally, it is because I pieced this episode back together with the information I had, as well as with the extra recording that I asked the guest to do. Hopefully you won't notice, but if you do, that's what happened. And for everyone who's getting started in podcasts, remember, always record a backup, because sometimes it even happens to the backup. And now, enjoy Nightmare Before Christmas. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. We have two guests for this week's episode because he requested us. By name. Locke. Shock. And Beryl. And that is Bethany Kulias and Kim Vrujink. So, Kim and Bethany, is The Nightmare Before Christmas a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Well. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) It's not a yes or no question. It's an either or question. (laughs) Okay. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I didn't know, like... If we had to do some critical thinking um, on why, so uh, so yes, it should be remade. <laughs> All right, uh, so Yay. let's start with this, um, Kim. T- tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself. Well, I am uh, recently uh, getting into audio books. I want to get into a little bit of narration. I am an actor out here in LA. And doing some improv with groundlings. Yeah, and kind of taking that um, over to audiobook narration because we are in a pandemic and audiobooks seem dope. (laughs) They are indeed dope. I'm a fan. So dope. Mm. Bethany, tell us a little bit about you. Yes. Well, I am also in Los Angeles and I am also an actor. And um, I am a associate company member of the Actors Gang. And, you know, with COVID, theater is on hiatus for the foreseeable future. So um, I'm enjoying also doing uh, voiceover and also a lot. There's, there's quite a few of like Zoom films and Zoom plays going on right now. So um, I've been doing a couple of those projects, too. Uh, other than that, my favorite color is red, and um, <laughs> I have two kitties, and uh, I'm a witch, and, you know, Halloween is my jam. Yeah, yeah. happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. So, since this is the Halloween episode, and you are a couple of my oldest friends in Los Angeles, in term- like, not oldest in terms of age, in terms of, oh god, I've, ar- I've, I've wrecked everything already. We are old, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I met, like, uh, like upon moving to Los Angeles, you were a couple of the people I met first. <laughs> yeah, I was your date uh, at prom on Glee. Yes. That yeah, is correct. True. So if you look at Glee prom, <laughs> you will see us. Me in my yeah. white tails, and I think mm-hmm. you in a pink dress? I, I was lavender. Lavender. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, time has... Mm-hmm has uh shifted those hues in my brain gosh i can't believe that's cool what nine years ago over nine years ago is it was it oh no yeah yeah because kim i met you private practice yeah on valentine's Valentine's day Day in 2011 so yeah so yeah uh many (laughs) years ago (laughs) many moons many moons ago and so kim was at the table with us at Glee Prom. Yeah, so. that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we, that, that's where everything kind of solidified in terms of friendship, because I didn't meet you on Glee Prom either, Bethany. We met on 
Suburgatory? Uh, suburgatory, yes. Yeah. We've done Suburgatory. That's true. Yes, with all the horses. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And the mm-hmm. strong smell of horses. Yep, 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 oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Suburgatory pilot, I think. I don't anyway. remember. The, the yeah. reason why anyway. I thought it would be fun for all three of us to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas is because kind of a soft Halloween tradition had been getting together to watch Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've already remade Hocus Pocus, so it seemed like yep. the next obvious thing that you both thought would be Nightmare Before Christmas, and I kind of agree. Especially with, of course, all of the live-action musicals um, being so popular on Fox and NBC and ABC, really, now, um, which is owned by Disney. So <laughs> it it seems only right that a musical that people have been trying to remake for a long time could conceivably be done in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas has been a stage play at this point, right? Has it been? has it? F- yeah, it failed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it failed like <laughs> but, many of yeah. them, but it, like, it like a couple, yeah. Um, yeah. So it yeah, it has been obviously like if they put some star power behind it in the next one, then it could probably like be done pretty well and put more money because they didn't put and like hardly any money into the stage play. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But in terms of our purposes today, because Disney is also doing a large number of like live action remakes, you know, Mulan's definitely a thing. It mm-hmm. we're remaking Nightmare Before Christmas as one of the Disney live action remakes. So mm-hmm. yep. we'll have a conversation about plot and different things that will need to be changed, but for the most part, we're taking the movie as it is and we're doing a remake. So, let me ask you this. Do either of you remember the first time you saw Nightmare Before Christmas? So, with me, my mom, like, forbade me from seeing Nightmare Before Christmas when I was, I think it was four, when it came out. And I really wanted to see it so bad, and my dad was like, you can go see it. And so, yeah, I think I saw it with him uh, when I was four, and then um, I loved it so much. Yeah, they bought the, the VHS for me, mm-hmm. uh, which we played in our VCR uh, multiple times, and yeah, and oh, funny story too, but my dad and his brothers grew up in Burbank, uh, California, uh, which is LA County, for those who don't know, and they went to school with Tim Burton. Oh, um, that is yep. funny. Mm-hmm. Yep, so they went to school with him. My uncle Jim, the youngest brother, they were in the same grade. And he just, he kept on telling me, like, growing up, that he would see Tim Burton play with dinosaurs in the hallway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, apparently the uh, Edward Scissorhands, the, the town that is all, like, the same and monochrome, is based off of Burbank. How? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's there's that, and everything everything now has come full circle. So that's me. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Kim, do you remember when you first saw this movie? I I think I was about seven years old when I first saw it. I didn't see it in the movie theaters, but I remember when it first premiered on TV, my mom recorded it. And we had that old VHS <laughs> tape. Uh, so I watched it. I fell in love with it. And for Halloween, almost every year, I make a tradition out of it every Halloween to watch it. As crazy as that sounds. It's um, <laughs> not crazy at all. <laughs> like, how many times can this kid watch it after so many years? You know? <laughs> But I did, and I remember that old VHS, uh-huh. too. So <laughs> Good. So my experience with watching this movie is, I don't think I saw it until I was maybe in college. Because I remember seeing the previews on TV. Like, I remember, like, the rolled up hill, mm-hmm. and then it unrolling as Jack walks down. And I remember watching this movie in college and being like, it's the moment, it's the thing from the previews I saw as a kid. And I, I feel like the possibility is that 
like, as a kid, I was worried that I would be, like, freaked out by the movie. Because my parents, like, never let us watch horror movies or anything. Because I, um, Mm. the thing I remember is watching the opening of Jurassic Park where the dude gets sucked into the the cage and being, like, freaked out. Like, we never watched anything (laughs) scary ever again or even scary adjacent. So even to this day, I have a really, really hard time and cannot watch horror movies. Because I have no, like, basis in it. And so because Nightmare Before Christmas, even though it was animated, was just kind of slightly <laughs> off, my parents were like, nope, that's not happening. And so mm-hmm. I never watched it until, like, mm-hmm. I had friends sit me down and be like, Sam, it's Nightmare Before Christmas, we're watching it. I mean, I have many movies that fit into that vein. But, like, this movie's adorable. It's it's one of those fun little things. It's got a bunch of great songs. Mm-hmm. I okay. regularly get the Oogie Boogie song stuck in my head. Oh, who just doesn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> generally in life. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's a lot of fun. I mm-hmm. had an interesting time rewatching it this time this year because mm-hmm. I certainly noticed some things I may not have necessarily been conscious of when I was younger. But I mean, it's still super fun and super sweet. And mm-hmm. even though it was neither written nor directed by Tim Burton, definitely no, launched his career. Not. Yep. It is based on his children's book. And he's a producer on it. Okay. Yep. Which is why he was able to slap his name on it. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of my experience. So uh, having presumably rewatched the movie for uh, recording this episode, uh, what do you both think this time? We'll start with Kim this time. Yeah, I mean, I, I o- I've always been in love with the music. The music is what most attracts me to it um i love the beats and the sounds that create the story in it i think it's just genius so i i had a really great time uh re-watching it so <laughs> good bethany yeah it's i mean similar to kim yeah i watched it every year so pretty much as I've grown up um, over the years, like you can tell how basic really the story is, but it's, I mean, it's fun, it's for kids, and it's not meant to like really be poking a bunch of holes into it, um, in my experience, because yeah, it's a vehicle for um, the amazing effects and the practicals and the music, um, as Ken said. And just to showcase that wonderful imagination um, for me and to create some really strong characters. Yeah. When I'm every, I think every time when I sit down, like every year, other year, when I sit down Mm -hmm. to rewatch this, I'm always surprised by how short it is because it's only like 72 minutes. Yeah. And Mm. it, like, we just kind of jump in and go. And even for musicals, that's, I'm sorry, 76 minutes. And even Mm. for, musicals that tends to be kind of short because like songs lengthens mm-hmm. like oh i'm sad about something and instead of just saying i'm sad about something it's two to three minutes of i'm sad about something <laughs> yeah exactly so that, that that's why i'm saying like even for a musical it, it's on the short side so but th- this time uh i ended up having the thought and i know that this isn't a particularly fresh take and especially because like I then, immediately after having watched this, like, over the next week or so on Twitter, I was like, here's several people confirming my take who also rewatched the movie. Interesting. Was, boy, this sure is a white guy who gets an idea in his head and doesn't listen to anyone who says it's a bad idea. hmm And then <laughs> barely admits he's wrong. Yep. And, uh... Yeah. Doesn't no, really good. learn a lesson. Other than, I'm still great. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's still Jack. The Pumpkin King. It sounds familiar. <laughs> so then with that in mind, because I think the uh, the epitome mm-hmm. of Disney live action remakes is the Jungle Book in the sense that it takes the original ideas of the animated Jungle Book and takes its own spin on it and kind of modernizes the message. What are the messages and the things that are important to us what do we think like the new moral of the story is or the same moral of the story is that we want for our version of this movie? Um, I, you know, rewatching it. Um, I, I, I know what you're saying about Jack Skellington. You know, he can't, he's kind of blinded and can't really see what other people need. But I also saw the innocent side 
of Jack Skellington, and I, I, I would kind of want to run with that, um, the innocent side of him, where he does learn who he is, um, especially at the end. Um, I think, you know, he is remorseful. Um, he sees the wrong that he's done. He sees the harm. You know, how dare you treat my friends so shamefully? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he runs and tries to do what is right. Um, so I, I think what I would want to explore is finding your true self, which Jack does, or realizing <laughs> realizing who he is, and you know, just kind of uh, he makes mistakes. He does, but uh, just like everybody, every human does, they make mistakes. But you find out who you are and and to me that was kind of a a lesson a meaning within this story i agree um my take on what this movie could be is somewhat inspired by a couple of text chains that i'm in with some friends and that i think that nightmare before christmas is it it could actually be a really interesting trans allegory in that here is this person who kind of has been living life this certain way but it, it just isn't bringing them joy and it just they they aren't happy living this way and then somehow they discover oh i could live this whole other kind of life mm-hmm. and it's like oh my gosh this is amazing this is i this is the life i do want to lead and like mm-hmm. tries to bring that back and people don't really understand so kind of like recontextualizing it but just trying to find a way to live that way and then at the end when uh when they get shot out of the sky it's like oh well i guess i'll just go back to the box that everyone uh had put me in and I'll go back to doing the thing I already know how to do. Mm. However, in our version, I mean, I don't, mm. like, not obviously hit it uh, on the head as hard as that. But in our version, one of the things that I'd really like, especially because we have so much time, is I would love to see that act of apology and that trying to make things right and trying to find a joy in a new way of living in that I'd love to see Jack and Sally helping out in Christmas town. Like I'd love to see like instead of them just standing yeah. on the cliff at the end embracing, I'd love to see them helping making toys for Sandy Claus. Yeah. Like cuz it's mostly just well that didn't work. Guess we're going to abandon this forever. And I I don't like I don't think that that works. I think that there's a little bit of like bleeding over of the holidays that that could work. Like I lo- would love at the end if there's some elves making some truly horrific things in uh, Halloween Town, and then in Christmas Town, Jack and Sandy are making toys and hanging up trees and lights and having a snowball fight. That'd be great. I agree because already in the film, yeah, I I don't think things are very clean, clear and clean cut at the end. I think there is <clears throat> a lot of that ambiguity, and um, so definitely that would be mm-hmm. um, a perfect ending for me. Definitely what. I was thinking of um, gearing towards, and yeah, you you said it very well, Sam. Thank you. Um, the other thing I want to do is I want to give Sally a lot more to do, just because kind of in this movie, or as it exists now, is her her things are escaping and not being listened to. Yeah, and absolutely. I, like, and then she <laughs> tries to rescue Santa, but it doesn't work. So, like, what what do we want to give mm-hmm. Sally to do that will work, other than being? Um, what's the not um ah, cassandra is that the greek figure who could foresee the truth but no one listened to her oh cassandra yeah mm-hmm. yeah instead of just being a cassandra mm-hmm. true okay yeah mm-hmm. um i didn't yeah for some reason i didn't make that connection but that that is very true yeah she is a cassandra um mm-hmm. and again that's because very... she has magic like like this thing like they're mm-hmm. they're it, it all told like there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie but it's kind of all science and sci- science fiction based there's really mm-hmm. only two moments of true and actual magic in the whole movie and it's when santa touches his nose and mm-hmm. magics up through the the, the shoot yep and then the other one is when sally picks up the uh whatever the weed is it turns into a christmas tree and then bursts into flames mm-hmm. so she's magic and that never comes up again yeah and she was created by the by the scientist yeah 
Uh, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because mm. it's always been interesting to me that I feel like one of the things we can play is the parallels of Jack Skellington and Sally at the same time, both of them kind of rediscovering who they are. Because mm. Sally is someone who's literally like, made in a lab to be this thing and she's like i i've never wanted to be that and it's kind of like discovering like now that she's outside the lab who she really is as a as a person so like i'm i'm looking for other places in the story or other things that can happen that really are who she is and my, my pitch is so she kind of discovers that she has this magic and I'd love it if she's kind of learning how to figure out how to use it. And she tries to use that against Oogie Boogie. And as much as she's trying, it just happens to not work. But it, but it's still something that she's working on. It's something that like she wants to be better at because she's like, this is something I'm really good at. And I love doing. Maybe I, I noticed, you know, she falls down. She falls out of, windows to escape from the scientist and <laughs> and then she sews her she has a needle and sews herself back together um so there's a little bit of self healing power and maybe she could expand that to other people in being a healer in a way I agree with that, and I think that if we do that, I think we need to make the evil scientist a little bit more of an antagonistic force. Because as of this moment, he's kind of like, oh, that wacky scientist, always trying to put this this living and sentient human being that he created into a, in, in, into house jail. <laughs> and, like, we don't... Because the movie, as it exists now, does not really have a strong antagonistic force. It's like, ooh, Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie never leaves his home. Like, he doesn't actively do anything. The trick-or-treaters bring him stuff, but that's about it. He doesn't, like, manipulate anything. And I feel like between Oogie Boogie and the evil scientist, I feel like we have these two forces kind of trying to take over aspects of other people's lives. Because I feel like one of the things that we can do, since we have time for it, is talk about how Jack is the best halloween scarer he's kind of like the 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 most powerful member of halloween town and oogie boogie's number two and oogie boogie's always wanted to be number one Hmm. and jack is number one and doesn't want to be and instead of like figuring out this way to like come together and work with each other jack goes off and does his own thing and oogie boogie's like no i will i will usurp the pumpkin king which is and and similarly, the evil scientist who's trying to take control of Sally's life, I feel like should be sabotaging kind of other Jack efforts uh, because Oogie Boogie has made promises or something. Like Oogie Boogie has promised uh, that the that he would supply the evil scientist with all sorts of little things and and stuff for the evil scientist to do science with, and like subjects and other things maybe um maybe uh they put him in his jail because he has a gambling problem um (laughs) i think maybe and the movie can't really um expand on this uh can't really expand on this because it's a kid's movie but maybe it's a subtle way to uh hint on gambling addiction (laughs) i mean you don't think it's because he's been eating other members of halloween town i mean that could be too like there's (laughs) there's the unspoken role that that people in halloween town scare humans in the human world but they don't scare each other but oogie boogie will scare anyone anywhere without any regard to the rules like he was going to eat sally and santa Mm -hmm. that feels like it crosses a line Mm mm-hmm Yeah, and I I think we can even give him another parallel as well in that Jack's kind of trying to take over Christmas and trying to make it something he himself gets to enjoy. And then, but I think Oogie Boogie can see that and be like, all right, Jack's taking over Christmas, but let's make all holidays Halloween. If we are doing Halloween all the time, we always get to be scary people like this. We get to live this all the time. And I feel like that can even be the message of, yeah, it might feel like it's fun to be like, I know lots of people who'd be like, I wish it was Halloween all the time. But if it's Halloween all the time, then Halloween isn't special anymore. 
And I feel like that's kind of the message that we can then learn. Yeah, I agree. Cool. That's so that that's kind of like in terms of story, what I think. And then obviously, like the things that we love about Nightmare Before Christmas need to stay. The songs need to stay. The the Danny Elfman scoring and tracks and everything and um the different Absolutely. songs like if anything i just think we need more of it because we have i mean it's a 76 minute movie frankly we have a whole nother hour to play with if we wanted to really 45 minutes if we're being uh cautious but like and i think we can do that oogie boogie story and the scientist story and give sally more to do i think that pun not intended the most fleshed out story is jack's and i feel like jack's arc other than giving him this this thing at the end where he can go be in christmas town i feel like jack's story can kind of stay how it is it's just fleshing out the world around him you know really putting some skin on this skeleton (laughs) and i think that's kind of what we talked about yeah is there anything else either of you wanted to discuss in terms of like the story of the movie and what else we could do with it? Is there anything else that, or is there any other part of this movie that you're just like, I just want to talk about this part because it's great. Kim. Uh, I mean, I just love the story as is because it's great. And you know, the music um, all stays, it should all stay. (laughs) And, um, and I agree, you know, with everything you guys are saying, you know, we just need to uh, flush out, you know, uh, some other uh, uh, other characters like Sally's, um, uh, their background, their story, giving them something more to do, flushing uh, those out. And uh, yeah, but other than that, I mean, it's just a great story and should keep <laughs> stay the same. So, All right. Well, then that's easy enough then let's talk about casting so for me when i'm doing casting because i cast a good chunk of these people uh i did because it's in my head the live action disney remake i did a mix of people who could really play these characters and for like the trick-or-treaters for example i did kind of people who'd be fun to have kind of their voices running around but then in the actual movie they'd still be like the little kids we'll see how we feel about the different people that we pulled in and then uh We'll go from there. Sound good? Sounds good. So let's start, obviously, with Jack. Um, and I can go first. Uh, for me, it was important that at least Jack and uh, and Sally, at the very least, and Oogie Boogie and everyone, like, some of these people need to be good singers. Agreed. Um, so uh, my casting for Jack is someone who we have seen sing. Like, he's been in the movie, for example sing and he also played elton john in rocket man Mm. and he's Mm -hmm. like he's but he's also no stranger to like weird creepy things because he's also was in the dark crystal show and that's taron egerton Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i thought that other than the fact that his head is very square and jack's head is very round other than that i think that he makes for a really good choice for our uh jack skellington and so that was my pick mm-hmm. awesome. who did you have so for the tone of this um you guys have to keep in mind i um i'm a little weird and kind of am straying away from disney a little bit and keeping more um with a timber i was feeling more of a Tim Burton theme in the way that he did Sweeney Todd, the musical elements, kind of the darkness. And um, so that's kind of the tone in casting that I was going for. And um, similar to you, Sam, um, I picked singers and for, (laughs) for Jack, um, I chose this guy because we have seen him. Uh, we know he's a showman like Jack. Um, uh, he showed his showmanship in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I chose Rami Malik. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going with this. I, kept, I thought you kept leaning on the word Jack because you were going to go with in showman. And, and he just... And he's just a really good Jack, so much so that he's Hugh Jackman. 
that's no. what I thought you were going. No, 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 no. Rami no, Malek no, is, no. is, is a better choice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Rami Malek. That's great. Yep. And, <laughs> and Rami Malek, he kind of has his... Uh, not only is he a good singer, and I think he could pull off the role, but looks-wise, um, his face structure, I think, it, uh, kind of maybe bony, his cheeks. <laughs> and so I, I thought he would, he would be great. Ah, you're, you're calling me on that square head versus round head thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really think too much about the size or the shape of um, the head for Jack, but uh, thinking on it now, yeah, I think the person I chose has a pretty round head, maybe more like an oval. Um, so I also thought about who would be a great singer, a great dancer, um, and also had a good stage presence. So the person I chose was, uh, actor named Colin Morgan. Um, for those who don't know, he's a British actor. He's done a lot of BBC stuff, not as much American stuff, but he has done a lot of um, stage plays and he was Merlin in the show BBC BBC show Merlin and he was also in Humans um, he has played a lot of leading man roles and I think that he would be spectacular as Jack it's always tough when everyone brings in really good options because I mean I don't I don't know Colin Merlin at all but like just looking at the stuff he's done and like obviously he's been in some cool things and uh, I the <laughs> uh, I don't think I've seen anything he's been in, but like obviously all this stuff is really good, and he's played interesting, cool characters. And for people who are fans of The Crown, he played John Armstrong in season three, episode four of The Crown, and he's in The Fall and uh, something called Quirk. He's in The Huntsman Winter's War, which I never saw, but I enjoyed the first one. It's stupid, but it's fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, we have three good ones, so I'm not going to force us to make a decision just yet. So we may see kind of like who blends in with our cast a little bit more. And also at the end of the day, we might just go with like, well, who hasn't gotten as many choices for everything else? So let's talk about Sally. Uh, I went first for that one. So Kim, why don't you tell us about your Sally? Okay. Um, so I, uh, once again, had to choose a singer. Who could I... Uh, vi- who's a singer who I could visualize singing Sally's Lament and I was trying to think of singers that I liked um, or have been singing recently and I went to the cast of Hamilton and um, my Sally is Philippa So um, she uh, played um, Eliza in Hamilton And she kind of has, you know, Sally, you know, kind of innocent looking, a doll. And, you know, Philippe Sue, she, yeah, kind of has that innocent look, um, can have a doll look. And she's a good singer, too. So um, I went with her. That's a fun choice. Yeah. Uh, Bethany, who did you have? So for Sally, I chose Kiernan Shipka for... From Sabrina, from Mad Men, she has sung um, on her show Sabrina, and she's done some other solo work. And um, I know she has that very strong um, leading presence, very wise beyond her years, small uh, but packs a powerful punch. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lovely choice as well. So for me. Uh, I wanted someone who, obviously I picked someone who was able to sing as well, and I wanted uh, someone who kind of, like, has done the live performance thing, kind of like uh, what Kim was going for, and I also picked someone who kind of has a background in horror a little bit, mm-hmm. and I wanted that, like, kind of aspect in the and, and pulling in... Um, a little bit of that. So this actress has been was in Hustlers. She was mm. in Grease Live, and she was in Scream Queens. So my pick for Sally is an actress named Kiki Palmer. Okay, okay. 
And because at the end of the day, it's all sorts of uh, uh, like different kind of performances and everything. And I think that that's important. I think she's, she's also an Aquila and the Bee and all of that. And as always, one of the things I'm trying to do on uh, <laughs> with casting for this is trying to make the cast a little bit less exclusively white. Right. <laughs> um, and so I'm realizing that I did not do as good a job this time. So that might be why I fight for Kiki Palmer for Sally more so than anyone else, just because I'm realizing that I think I cast exclusively other white people for the rest of my cast, which is not good. But Mm -hmm. uh, so so that's why I thought Kiki Palmer, because of Hustlers, because of Scream Queens, because she's a singer. And I I, I just thought she'd be fun. So that's my pitch. Yeah, I like that. Would you both be okay with Kiki Palmer? Yeah. Great. Then let's, the next person I have on my list is the evil scientist. Bethany, your turn to go first. For Dr. Finkelstein. Is that his name? (laughs) I chose someone who I think, again, would have so much fun in this role. Someone who um, knows how to be super quirky and loves the really, to delve deep into the really weird characters and has like amazing hands and um, is great in every character role that he plays. And I chose Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because uh, again, he really down to earth, but at the same time, so like bizarre um and so neurotic that it's amazing um so hilarious i love it cool i think that's a great choice uh, my turn to go next so then my thinking was this was one of the ones where because he's like in a chair the whole time i went with uh, a professional vo guy for this i feel like he's done some other things too but he's mostly known for like voices and like different things like in spirited away he plays no face uh and because that's kind of like the rah, blah, blah, rah, bring me zen i want zen and he's but he's also in space jam he's in duck dodgers uh and he's the only person in the entire world who can vo- who can uh voice porky pig and so that's why for this role i went with bob bergen <laughs> <laughs> love it kim you're up Oh man. Yeah, the I mean yeah, this is a hard person to cast because uh, I I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't get to see that many, you know, creepy guys uh and creepy actors out there I haven't watched um a whole lot. So no one really came to my mind, but you know the you know he is in a wheelchair he's such a victim and if anybody could play that um it would be William H Macy because he does such a good <laughs> job playing uh Frank Gallagher on Shameless who is is such a victim the I, well he from his point of view he's always a victim so <laughs> i mean that's a that's a fun choice as well that's that's great <laughs> um <laughs> uh oh gosh i don't know um i think for this one i would say let's go with jeff goldblum the one yeah, thing I'm realizing that I should have done for this particular role is see if I can find uh, an actor who actually is uh, disabled and in a wheelchair. And I didn't think to do that. And I now kind of regret that. But in lieu of actually Googling it right now, I would say I would prefer to cast someone actually in a wheelchair. But failing that, I'd say let's go with Jeff Goldblum. All right. <laughs> yeah, just like that weird affect and just like a crazy, creepy scientist. That's my vote. Is that okay with you, Kim? That's great. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about the mayor. So for the mayor, I'll go first for this one. Uh, I kind of wanted to have a third woman 
because really okay. the only uh, women in this cast are Sally and uh, one of the trick-or-treaters. I don't know which one. I don't remember. I think it's Shock. But uh, and I just thought it'd be fun to kind of have like a like an SNL-style comedic actress kind of run around being sad, like alternatively sad and overwhelmingly happy. And I thought the uh, the right person for that role would be Molly Shannon. Oh, okay. Okay. And so that's that's kind of who I thought would be fun. Giving a little bit of com- uh, comic relief, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's what the mayor's for. I, I can't make decisions, I'm an elected official, or whatever the line yep. is. <laughs> Good. Uh, Kim, you're up. So, uh, you guys are... Hmm, you're going to hate me for this one. Um, I might get booed. But given the spirit of Tim Burton... I thought we would have to give this guy a little something. And I thought maybe the mayor role wouldn't be quite as big, but we just, we got to give him a little something. And he could just be the bumbling idiot mayor who can't make decisions by himself. Like, "Ah, ah, help me, you know, help me make this decision, you know, and I'm hiding from actual responsibility. And, uh, Johnny Depp, just to give him a little yeah, something, something. We, in a Tim and Burton. You know, you know that we're not going to give it to Johnny Depp, right? I know, I know. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, he uh, he's not a good person, and I don't want him on the set. Oh yeah, yeah. We we appreciate the effort. It I it would have been weird to have a, t- a, a Tim Burton conversation without bringing him up. But uh, I know, no. uh, <laughs> Bethany, the mayor, and again wanted to go female with this and just to create more options for the cast and i thought melissa mccarthy would Ooh, be nice. <laughs> very nice i i also considered it specifically i thought of her in the role um as the chef in gilmore girls she's like very bubbly the best friend very outgoing, but has a little bit of that naivete going on. And so I thought that she would just be like super, she could play that super happy yet super, super emotional um, switch of the mayor. So then I, I love both of those so then i think we will leave it up to kim kim between molly shannon and melissa mccarthy who would you like to see playing the mayor Ooh, i mean i i love both choices but i want to go with melissa mccarthy but sure. uh, there are pros and cons to both i feel like melissa mccarthy might bring a little too over the top comedy we don't need snl to uh, type comedy for this i don't know but she would be great i i guess i would also need to see her but i mean she is also good at throwing a tantrum like we've seen um like playing sean spicer so she's also good at throwing a tantrum so she can do both sides like what we need for the mayor melissa mccarthy i guess would be a little more exciting for me so Sure. Yeah. Go with the A-lister. That's <laughs> fine. Kim does not want to give Molly Shannon work. I get it. It's fine. Melissa McCarthy <laughs> it is for the mayor. Uh, the, the other three kind of like roles I have are the three trick-or-treaters, Oogie Boogie and Santa. Um, did, did you both cast those roles as well? Or is there anything you did not cast? Ah. Love it. Um, Kim, do you have those roles I, also? I have Boogie. Um, I, I couldn't make decisions on, um, on Boogie's kids, but I do have my Boogie. Okay, then let's talk about Oogie Boogie next, because that's something we all have. Uh, Kim, you're up. Okay, so sticking with the Tim Burton, uh, tone, um, this guy was in Sweeney Todd, and he can sing and be, can play a villain. Uh, he did in Sweeney Todd. So I'm go and he's really weird and can be creepy. I'm going with Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, Bethany, who did you have? For Oogie Boogie, I 
chose um, someone who not only ha- has great showmanship, uh, but also plays their own instruments, plays the flute, ha- again, has that amazing presence. And I chose Lizzo. Oh, um, that's nice. a cool choice. Nice. I like that idea. Ooh. Because um, I also, I wanted to go female with it. And I think that she would have a lot of fun in that role and bring a lot to that role. I mean, it would be, it would certainly be a different take on Oogie Boogie. Yeah, it, it would be different. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing against it. I think that's a fun idea. Uh, my Oogie Boogie, I actually set up as a pair with my Santa because the two of them, like, I feel like the song could be more, like, they, I, I'm, like the Oogie Boogie song is the best song. <laughs> and and I will fight people who say otherwise. Um, but, like, I, I love the dynamic just between Oogie Boogie and Santa, and I feel like that's kind of, like, a fun pair. So for Oogie Boogie specifically, I wanted someone who can play kind of that villain and go kind of like that weird, creepy guy, guy to also being kind of centurion and proper and everything. And they can go back and forth, like, all that style, but also having the comedic chops and kind of, like, the weird quirkiness and going all over the place... So my Oogie Boogie is Jack Black. Okay. Which is why my Santa is Kyle Gass, the other member of Tenacious D. Okay. And I I thought that that would be kind of like a fun, like, because like, we see Santa first before, well, no, that's not true, because Oogie Boogie's on the moon. Uh, so I guess we do see Oogie Boogie first. Um, but uh, that that was kind of my idea of like, ah, oh, well, Kyle, like, and then just the two of them, like, jamming together and, like, and then Jack Black eats Kyle. I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. <laughs> but I, ah, God, that's tough. Um, I, I'm tempted to make it Lizzo, but, uh, I really, this was one where I was like, yeah, Jack Black would be a really good Oogie Boogie. Yeah, t- mm-hmm. tell me who you had for, uh, Sandy Claus. Sandy Claus. Uh, very important because, of course, if we're, trying to see like who might match up with Oogie Boogie and the rest of the cast. I chose someone who again has a very strong steady presence very classical um, but still knows how to play um, good, good character roles and I chose Lawrence Fishburne. he can i can see him really like being a force of nature in this show and really like being that moral compass for jack for um the rest of the characters of the show and really like having a lot of fun with it guys i i went with someone more classical and someone who could be uh a, you know, very respectable figure, a grandfatherly Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So dress him up, put a put a fat suit on him. <laughs> he has that wisdom, you know. Doing amazing things with technology these days. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Let's talk about Lock, Shock, and Barrel. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to kind of like the main event. Um, Kim, you do not have these three, correct? I couldn't decide. You know, I wanted to put myself in there. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Bethany, I kind of set these up as like a comedy trio that they definitely all know each other and are friends. Um, and like they're all kind of like well-known comedians. What did you do for these three, Bethany? For them, I decided to... The way I went with it is kind of these former child actors um, who were all either on Disney (laughs) Channel or Nickelodeon. And yet, at the same time, they still had the experience. They've been on Broadway. Um, So they have the experience of musicals, of being on the stage and dealing with those larger-in-life personalities. And even though, of course, they're not child actors anymore, they still like have that mischievous youth 
about a uh, presence about them and like they could really like really tear some sh- some shit up um and i went with jordan fisher as Locke, elizabeth gillis as shock and ross lynch as Beryl. Hmm, Ross Lynch being uh, also on Sabrina right now. Uh, Elizabeth Gillis as uh, one of the leads on Dynasty. And Jordan Fisher, um, he's done some, since his youth, he's done some indie films, uh, music videos. Uh, So they're all great singers, (laughs) actors, and dancers. And I think that that, especially for Lock, Shock, and Beryl, Oh, so important to um, have that triple threat because I think you could do so much. There, there's like a lot of opportunity to mine more stuff for the kids and more of that like given that improvisational give and take, but also have the singing and the dancing like down cold. So I thought that would be a lot of fun to have those. Yeah, my I leaned more into the less musical because I guess they sing a little bit in the movie. That's true, they sing. Um, they but have I was a great more into the song, kind of like the, Kidnap Mr. Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah, Kidnap Mr. Santa Claus, put him in a ditch. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. But like, I was leaning more to like the improv, like bouncing off each other, doing like doing the comedies. And so my three are Ben Schwartz, who is in Parks and Rec, and is the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Hmm. Thomas Middleditch, who is Silicon Valley and just comedy. And uh, Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middleditch have a really good comedy, like, set of three comedy specials on Netflix where they just, like, do hour-long improvs with each other, and it's great. And then the third person who would really fit in with that pair is Jenny Slate, because she'd be like, ugh, these idiots. (laughs) Jenny Jenny Slate, who (laughs) worked with Ben Schwartz on Parks and Rec. And uh, so that's why I kind of thought they would be uh, just like fun, goof around, pairing, uh, pairing, tripling. (laughs) So, yeah. So once again, Kim, I'm going to say, Kim, I'm going to give you complete carte blanche on this. You can go with all three of one of us, all three of the other us, or you can do a mix and match. Tell us who your three are going to be based on these six. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll go ahead and say this. I I do think that the ability for them to sing um, is important. So, and Bethany, you said the child stars, they have a little bit of experience singing. So I, I, I would want, I'm going to go ahead and go with Bethany's. Um, All right. The then singer. Bethany, I'm going to need you to say the names again. Jordan Fisher as Locke, Elizabeth Gillis as Shock, okay. and Ross Lynch as Beryl. Cool. Uh, then that brings us back to Oogie Boogie and Santa. Our options, uh, remind me where mine was Jack Black, Kim, yours was Sasha Baron Cohen and Bethany, yours was Lizzo. I, I kind of want to do the Jack Black, Kyle Gass thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to fight for that a little bit just because I think that's going to be a goofy fun time. But with that in mind, before we get to Short Witch and Tall Witch, I think that means that our Jack Skeleton has to be Rami Malek. <laughs> go with go with who you guys want as Jack Skellington. <laughs> no, well, Jack Skellington, all three of our options are excellent. <laughs> and so Rami Malek has the round head. He's perfect. Okay. And he can sing. It's amazing. It, like I said, Rami, like, they're all excellent choices. And it's important that you were involved because (laughs) you get to pick our Jack. Yes. And we haven't even gotten a writer and director yet. But now I want to hear about Short Witch and Tall Witch. This I thought was just super fun to do, um, to think about, because I didn't really think about it this way until recently. But I would love to cast the Short Witch and the Tall Witch, right? Who are their own, like, side characters doing their own doing their own spiel. And so I wanted to cast Idina Menzel as Tall Witch and Kristen Chanowith as Short Witch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, go. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I love that. That's great. 
So does that mean that Shirtwitch and Tallwitch are going to get a solo or a, their own separate? I guess a duo, they would have their own to. separate song. Yeah, potentially in the mix. Good. Would they sing about defying gravity, or because I knew you, I change for the better? <laughs> I mean, I was kind of thinking they'd sing more a song about like brooms, cauldrons, you know, basic witch <laughs> stuff. Great. Um, then that brings us to writer and director. I have a separate writer and a separate director. Do you both have the same? Yes. Or did you do a writer director? I chose to have a team that is both writer and director. That's fine. So what we're going to do is, uh, Kim and I will go first for writer and then Bethany, you'll tell us about your writer director. Sound good? I can go first for this. Uh, no, you know what? I've gone first enough. Kim, you're up. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay. So for my writer, I'm sticking with that dark theme. And uh, John Logan, uh, he's the screenwriter for Sweeney Todd, uh, the 2007 movie. Got it. All right. And Good choice. He also he wrote do- Skyfall. And he's a writer on Penny Dreadful. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Good. That is an excellent choice. Um, My choice for writer is someone who has kind of done the Broadway to uh, Hollywood adaptations. And so he's the writer behind War Horse. He's the writer behind Billy Elliot. He's the writer behind Rocket Man. But that also means he's the writer behind Cats. (laughs) But I specifically wanted that just because, like... We're, we're taking this well-known musical and we're readapting it. And that's why I kind of wanted to go with someone who is capable of doing that sort of thing and has done it before, especially because we're dealing with songs and new songs and that sort of thing. And so my writer is named Lee Hall. Uh, Bethany, who is your writer-director? It's a little bit out of the box. Um, I know. So, but I thought still it would be nice to see, like, what they could do with this because they uh, um, are used to a lot of like kooky, crazy, weird shenanigans in their screenplays and um, in their films. And I think that they've, since they've done both like horror kind of, as well as in fact have their own musical, one of their movies being a musical, I think they could create a lot of depth. And at the time, at the same time, I think that they still have a lot of experience to get this job done. And I chose the Cohen brothers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting choice. Yeah. That's fun. I could get behind that. Because my favorite Cohen brother movie is a musical. Oh, brother, where art thou? There we go. Because Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was a perfect movie. Um, that's fun. Let me tell you about my director. I, so because it's Nightmare Before Christmas and we kind of need that whole stylized Tim Burton-y kind of thing, I wanted someone who can do the monsters, can do all of that sort of like fun stuff. And like, this is a guy who does monster movies, you know, like Pacific Rim and the upcoming Pinocchio movie. And I felt like it kind of has to be Guillermo del Toro. Like, in terms of, like, matching uh, Tim Burton, in terms of, like, heightened stylization, I did not know who else to go with. So that was my pitch for director. Kim, who's your director? So um, I was thinking about who also has a similar style-ish to Tim Burton and kind of has experience with horror and really obscure projects. And that would be director Michael Lehman. Um, he directed the movie Heathers. And um, and also a few episodes of American Horror Story. So he definitely has that weird, um, especially with Heathers, um, bringing about that weird Tim Burton-esque kind of feel. <laughs> That's an interesting pull as well. Yeah, especially because he did, like, American Horror Story and all that sort of stuff. What's he done recently? He doesn't have any films currently in production. That's unusual. 
Well, this will be his new one. (laughs) (laughs) Fun. I, again, don't know what to do. Um, Kim, say the name of your writer again. Oh, John Logan? My temptation is to do John Logan, Guillermo del Toro. Together? Okay. But but I'm open to being talked out of it and being talked into the Coen brothers. My only hesitation with the Coen brothers is, um, I I mean, they would be great. Um, I don't know how much um, horror experience they really have. That's not really their genre. I mean, they do weird. It's uh, obscure, and but can they get behind that horror element? They've done Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which, of course, was amazing, and uh, Fargo, and so many other um, films that really kind of show you the highs and lows that you can really like go at and achieve if you're really committed to the script. And I think that they would be super committed to the story and the narrative. And they've, as I've said before, they've done like gruesome, almost horror with Fargo and they've done like larger than life comedy, like um, lady killers and um, a musical like, Oh brother, where art thou? That would be my choice. <laughs> yeah, it's a great it's a great idea. Yeah. I love Burn After Reading. Uh, I love Brother Where Art Thou? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think for something this to th- yeah. this artistically stylized as opposed to um quirky stylized, I feel I agree, like I want to be John Logan and Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. So uh, unless either of you have anything that I'm, I'm obviously I want to bring Danny Elfman back for any new for songs the music. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else I'm missing? Or is there anything else from either of your lists that we haven't covered? No. Okay. Then let me take you through the Disney live action remake of a nightmare before Christmas. Da-da-da-da. Jack Skellington is going to be played by Rami Malek. Yes. Sally. <laughs> Sally is going to be Kiki Palmer. Yes. Evil scientist, whose name I've already forgotten, Bethany is. Dr. Finkelstein. Doc, thank you. Dr. Finkelstein is going to be Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Our mayor is Melissa McCarthy. Our trick-or-treaters are Jordan Fisher, Elizabeth Gillis, and Ross Lynch. Oogie Boogie is going to be Jack Black. Santa, Sandy Claus, will be Kyle Gass. Tall Witch will be Adina Menzel. <laughs> and Short Witch will be uh, Kristen Chenoweth. <laughs> All of this will be written by John Logan and directed by Guillermo del Toro. That yeah. is Nightmare Before Christmas. Woo. We did it. We did so. it. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. So thank you both so much for being guests. And so now comes time for uh, plugs. Talk about things that you want people to do. Do you have like social media things you want people to follow? Tell us about uh, you. Or, or what you want people to do. Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram, Kim, K-I-M, underscore Vrujink, V-R-U-G-G-I-N-K, uh, on on IG, Instagram. Um, and that can also take you to my website. I want to be recording some projects, voiceover, audiobook stuff, so you can stay tuned for that and just, you know, what I'm up to in general, if you care at all. (laughs) (laughs) Bethany? So the most important thing I would love to plug is go out and vote. Yes. Do it now. Do it early so we don't have to worry about it. And we'll all breathe a sigh of relief along with you when you do it. Other than that, my Instagram is Bethany Coulias. That is B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-K-O-U-L-I-A-S, as in Sam. And the last thing I would love to uh, mention is the Zoom film that I was recently in is called All Staff Meeting. It's on YouTube, and uh, it was a YouTube Live, and it's been recorded, and it's there for 
all of your viewing pleasure. So go give it a watch. Um, we hope that you like it. It is uh, produced by Funny by Association. So if you go on the Funny by Association YouTube page, it'll be right there for you. Thank you so much and have a wonderful week, a wonderful month, and a wonderful Halloween. If you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. Or you can follow the podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Ideal Remake. Or join us on Facebook at Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. Because it's Halloween, if you want to leave us a nice treat, or really any treat. If there's a podcast you like, go on Apple Podcasts or any podcaster you listen to, and please leave a positive review and rate five stars even if it's not for us, it, it really helps any podcast that you listen to. I know that every, all podcasts talk about it, but it's true it, that it helps. And that would be a lovely treat that you could leave uh, for all of us this Halloween. So yeah, Ooh. so I'll end uh, with this. Kim, Bethany, what is your favorite quote from the movie Nightmare Before Christmas? Wow. there's You stumped us, Sam. <laughs> Okay. No, 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 no. I got one. I got one. Okay, cool. All right. So since I am dead, I can take off my head to recite Shakespearean quotations. Very on brand. Yes. <laughs> Kim? So I will go with, that's right. I am the pumpkin king. <laughs>